honored today to be able to have our administrative pastor, Pastor Greg Sharp, to bring the word today. God bless you. Pastor Greg. Amen. What a great presence of the Lord that is in this place. God has moved in a mighty way. Where's Brother Butch? There you are. We are, we are celebrating with you, brother. That is awesome. Brother Butch was baptized, and uh, last week Craig baptized. God is troubling the water, as Scripture says. He's stirring our hearts and doing something great, not only in the church in general, but in every one of our lives. And, and we are just honored to be in his presence today. Got to know um, Pastor David in such a much more intimate way yesterday. We had the opportunity to, <laughs> to crawl up, as us old guys can do, crawl up into the crawl space in the attic and kind of shimmy around up there to pull some cords and got, got some uh, insulation in our face and breathed it in real good. That was, that was fun. But um, there's a lot going on at High Point. God is, is really taking us in, in a great direction, just uh, preparing souls. And I believe as we prepare our hearts, God deals on hearts outside of these walls to bring them into us. And that's, that's a, great, a great thing, but it's also a huge opportunity uh, and responsibility. Let's see, do we have, um, do you have the slide there? Oh, man, I am so impressed. Dan, Danny Thomas is just killing me. It's uh, th this guy, it, he's almost one of these magicians that if you dream it up, he makes it happen. And, uh, and yes, he's doing it even today. He's, he's making this happen. So we have this. This is what the streaming looks like. Not that we want you to stay home and watch it. You can pull it up later when you get home just in case you don't trust us. Uh, it, it's there. So, but there are many that we want to minister to, again, outside of these walls that aren't able to be here in other states and other countries and, and uh, just really excited about the video ministry that uh, has been launched and Penny Vision is just fantastic. So, um, wow, there's just uh, a lot for us to cover today. And I want you all to know that Bonnie and I appreciate you so much. And uh, Pastor and sis Sister Ruthie have asked us to serve as administrative pastor. And that, that's just a title that really doesn't mean much. It means that we're just going to be right here shoulder to shoulder with you working in the kingdom. And uh, we just feel that God has led us here, given us a burden for High Point, a burden for this area, that there would just be a great outpouring, a great harvest of souls. That's that's. Pure and simple, what our passion is, is just to see souls come in, see lives changed. Sister Burrell, as she testified, I'm not sure if you're able to see everything, as she was kind of praying and exhorting us a few moments ago, she is a miracle sitting here. And uh, the fact that she is able to stand and worship the Lord the way that she does, you have no idea, many of you do, but those that aren't, aren't uh, a part of this church for a long time have no idea what miracle she is. And, and so God's just doing these kinds of things, and uh, we're just glad to be a part of it. I want to give special recognition to friends of ours that are a part of the BPI ministry, uh, Bible Prophecy Institute, Jerry and Tim, that have uh, come with us today. They, they've been a part of us for several years, and we have just grown so fond of them and uh, appreciate them so very much. And uh, my cousin Adam is with us today, so 
lot happening, a lot happening, and, and we are just rejoicing in the Lord. Everybody say amen. amen. You felt as we sang that song and our vertical praises went up, how great is our God? Boy, you know, he never fails. When, when he says that he inhabits the praises of his people, he means exactly that. When we started worshiping the Lord in this house, you could just feel the praises crescendo to heaven, and you could feel the presence of heaven fall right back down upon us. How great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. Look at your neighbor and say, God is awesome. Amen. So we're going we're gonna to pick a little fight here this morning. <laughs> going to stir up the nest a little bit. Is that all right? That's, uh, it, it just seems like, I, I don't know, as I really ponder and begin to think about, God, where do you want us to go, and, and what do you want us to talk about, and, and really deliver to the church, I, I, I get sometimes, I don't know if I'm the stick or being beat with the stick. I, you know, I, I kind of find myself in the middle sometimes, and, and uh, I, I struggle with this myself, and I'm sure that many of us do, and that is the challenge to Respond to God's presence and his call without excuse. This is, um, this is an area that is challenging for each one of us because our natural carnal flesh wants to go one way, our spirit wants to go another. And so to justify many times not really following what the Lord would call us to do or to be involved, engaged, a part, or even to be in the house of the Lord many times, we are challenged with different areas of justification we might be able to proffer to say, I don't think I can make it today. I'm just not going to be able to get there tonight. You know, it's, uh, it's about six o'clock. It's been a busy week on Wednesday, and I just not going to be able to make it again. But I know Wednesday night Bible study is really important. But uh, I, I just tonight, Brother David, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm busy. I'm tired, you know, all of that. My challenge to the church today is, and I think God's speaking to us, no excuses, just do it. And I'm so glad that Jesus did not offer excuses for the calling he had upon his life. Because had he offered an excuse, and he could have called 10,000 angels to take him down off of the cross. He could have wiped all of those guards, those Roman guards out with just the mention of one word. But he didn't. He chose to not offer an excuse but to die in my place. I'm glad Jesus is not the king of excuses today. But he's the one that says, let's just do it. Let's just do it, and I'm going to go with you. So many reasons why we don't do what we should do, what God has called us to do, and some of the most basic tenets of our walk with God, being with the family of God, forsaking not the gathering of ourselves together, and so much more that goes into having a walk and a relationship with Him. There are many reasons why we don't do what we should do. I don't have time to do all of that. I'm busy about my business, my daily life. I'm too tired. I'm just weary. I've done it for a long time. Now it's time for someone else to do it. Or I have an ache in my body. I have pains in my body, whatever it is. And, and so I'm really trying to challenge us to say whatever state we're in, we can do something for God. It's not too late for us to do something for God. Even though we may have failed last week, last month, last year, we can still do something for God without excuse. All we have to do is just in our mind and in our hearts say, God, use me wherever I am in my situation. You know me. Just use me. I'm available. Making ourselves available without excuse. Reasons why we don't? 
many times is we're just not convicted. We're not convicted. We, and because we're not convicted about the work of God, about the things of God, a walk with God, we lack commitment. Another reason why we don't do the things we ought to do is we're just not sold out. We're really not fully invested. And that's what brings our lack of conviction. We're not consistent. And because we're not consistent, we have constant confusion. A lot of times why we don't do what we should do is we're not submitted And this is where it begins to really step on our toes. Because to be submitted means I must give something up of me. It means I must allow God to do what God wants to do rather than my own flesh, my own thinking wants to do and accomplish. I truly need to submit. And along with submission, the Bible challenges us in our relationships that we ought to be submissive and honoring one another in our marriages. And we don't like to hear that very often. But... Husbands, you need to love your wives as Christ loves the church, and that was a lot of love. And wives, we need to submit to our husbands as, as the church is to submit to God, and that's a very difficult thing. And I think they work hand in hand because it's very difficult for a wife to submit to a husband that's not loving like Christ loved. So, right, it goes, it goes both ways. So we're challenged to do this. So one reason why we don't do what we're supposed to do is we're proud and selfish. We want to, again, do it our way. And next, we're not accountable. I don't really want to get too involved because the more involved I get, then Pastor David's going to know me a little bit better, and he's going to know my patterns, and then I become kind of accountable. Y'all want to come up and teach this? I, you know, it, it, I put my steel toe shoes on because, because this is really where we are. So here's what Philippians talks about when Paul speaks about this. He says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended or to master this. I don't think that I'm a perfect Christian. But he says, this one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind, and I am forever reaching, I'm pressing, I'm straining, I'm doing everything within me to reach for those things which are ahead. See, we have so many excuses that are related to our past life. And why we can't move forward is because of what's in our past. I like the, uh, the old saying, it just struck me, uh, back from Lion King, Timon and Pumbaa the warthog, and he says, you can't move into your future if you're always, if you're always dragging your behind. <laughs> Is that, like, amazing? That was revelation to me. You can't move into your future as long as you're dragging your past along with you. You're still sitting right there in your past and your old habits, your old ways. Nothing's new. But Jesus said, when you become new, everything becomes new when you are born again. Old things are passed away and all things become new. That's a complete transformation. And this is what Paul's saying. I I don't say that I'm perfect, but I'm going to forget those things which are ago. And I'm going to reach towards the things that God has before me. Because he says, I press. Or I own this. I am accountable for where God has placed me. And I can't offer excuse. Because it is mine. 
It's my responsibility to answer the call. It is my responsibility to do what God has called me to do. Pastor can't do my calling for me. Pastor can't take my ministry for me and do it. I have to own it. And Paul's saying this, I am pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God. Everyone in this room, I'm persuaded that every one of us have a calling. Every one of us have, we have a ministry. But do we offer excuses? Let me ask you, put yourself in this chair or wherever you were. Not that I want to go back into the past because I just said we need to go in the future. I get it. But a year ago, compared to where we are now, have we progressed? Have we progressed how God wants us to progress or are we kind of slow churning it? Are we really pressing or are we drifting? But yet we'll have justification and excuse after excuse as to why not. And I'm not saying some of them aren't valid. So let's just listen. Let's just be real with each other. Top 10 reasons. I'm just going to go ahead and lay them out here. I, I will tell you, I've got, no, I didn't bring my iPhone. And it's probably a good idea. Because as we're getting ready for church, getting ready for BPI on Tuesday night, I'll get comments back from some of the people that are going to be coming. You know they're always there. It's amazing Things that I see and hear that come up. And I'm not saying they're not real, that they don't come up. But when it's time to go to church, the devil will throw all kinds of things in our path. And the devil knows you pretty well. He knows me pretty well. He knows what works and doesn't work. So I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out here. Top ten reasons why we won't go to church. Now, you can, you can say top ten reasons why I don't want to do something on Tuesdays or on Wednesdays or whatever. They always ask for money, right? I think Pastor David's pretty good at this. He doesn't even ask for an offering on Wednesday nights. So you can come for free. <laughs> that's a pretty good deal. And, and we feed you. Yes, so that's, that's extra good. Uh, the people really don't care about me. When it really gets down to it, they really don't care about me. So I'm not going to go to that church. The pastor never talks to me or visits, which that's not really a good excuse for here because Pastor David is all up in our business. I mean, he is in a good way. He is, he is the master of encouragement. He's just like always there to pat us on the back and, and just move us forward because that, that passion comes from them. And, and so, yeah, that, that doesn't work here. Actually, none of these work here, by the way. But I'm just saying in general. The staff plans programs I don't like. And yes, there are probably going to be some programs that you're going to think, where did that come from? But we're trying to do something. You know, the Bible says that by all means, compel them to come in. You try, to, try to set the hook in a sinner's mouth some way, somehow, that it would spark an interest, spark a desire in them to be in the house of the Lord and to feel what we felt in this place today. But the staff plans things I don't like. I'm really not that bad. I mean, when you really compare me to some other monsters, I'm really not that bad. So I don't think I, I really have to go. I don't like the songs. I've even heard Rodin, Rhonda say that. Oh, she's the one that picks the songs. Sorry. I mean, really, this is some of the excuses. I'll have church at home. Okay, so here's my little pet peeve with having church at home. No, you probably don't absolutely have to be in, in the building, in the confines of the building. 
But have you ever gone down uh, through Ybor City or some of these areas under the bridges where there's a lot of people that are homeless live? They don't have to have a home either, but they really wish they did. And so there's a lot of spiritually homeless Christians that they forsake the family. And I'm convinced that we need the family more than ever before. We need each other. I need you. You need me. We all need each other to get this thing done. This is not just me alone. This is a team effort. And God has blessed us with a beautiful family to gather together and worship like we have today. What, why would we not want to participate in that? And again, I'm not saying for the ones that are home that are shut-ins and that kind of thing. My, my message is not to them. I'm talking to well-abled people that use these things. Well, I know as much as the minister knows. Wow. I won't even touch it. won't even touch it. I have nothing to wear. We don't go because we have nothing to wear. <laughs> Poor us. And I'm just too busy. When it really comes down to it, you know, when we open, we talked about reasons why we don't do what we do. Lack of commitment, lack of, we're just not sold out. You know, that it all goes into that. We need to pick up a passion like Paul. But let me, let me just kind of help you put this in perspective. Because if I were to tell you World Series tied two to two, you were called this afternoon and said, I have two free tickets for you to go down to Houston this week and to watch the, thir- the fifth World Series game. How many would be on board? <laughs> A lot of us. Well, let's use this same logic. They always want me to buy something else. So I'm just not going to pass on that, that opportunity. Uh, the fans, they really don't care about me. Right? You know where I'm going with this. The coach never talks to me or visits me. The team calls plays I don't like. The game just might last too long. Don't know if I can take your offer on the free tickets. I don't like all the players on the team after all. So I don't think I'm going to go to that game. I'll I'll play my own game at home. That's just about how it seems. I think when God hears the excuses we offer him of why I'm not going to church this week, I think this is probably about how he looks at it. I know as much as the coaches know, after all. I have company coming over. I'm just not going to be able to make it. Matter of fact, I just have too much to do. Okay, so I need you to to really bear with me because I've got to take you to the doctor's office. What, you don't want to go to the doctor? He always wants more. He's always asking for more money, so I'm not going to go get my cure or get whatever ailment I'm having and experience. I'm not going to go. Other patients, they really don't care about me. The doctor, he never wants to see me himself anymore. He's gotten too big for his britches, so he always sends a practitioner in. So I never get to talk to the... You got to deal with the administrative pastor, really? Yeah. Doctor gives instructions I don't like. I have to wait in the waiting room way too long. <laughs> How many can say that's for sure? Yeah. But do we not go? Really? Is that, is that our solution? We offer excuses. I don't like the secretary in the front office. So I'm just, I'm not going to make this one. I can look online and self-medicate myself. 
I know as much as the doctor knows after all because he tells me the same stuff all the time, probably because I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, which prompts him to tell me the same thing every time. Had I done the things he offered for me to do and recommended, which I paid for, and I had to go sit in the long waiting room, and I had to do all that and put up with the secretary I don't like to finally get to a practitioner that then tells me the doctor is telling me to do the things that I'm not doing, so I'm back here again. Sounds like a pastor. He tells us to do things we don't do, so we come to him when we're broken. I have other things to do at home, and after all, I'm just really not that sick. I'm not that sick. These are excuses, and they seem comical in the way we've laid them out, but yet they're very real and literal in our daily walk with God. So many times we offer these feeble attempts to justify our reasons for not doing what God's called us to do. And it's a very serious matter, even though we bring levity to it. It's very serious when God calls us, when God even allows us. Do you know the odds are probably better playing the lottery and winning than that we could be in a church like this this morning and really know the truth when you say the earth has 8 billion people in it and there's a lot of people doing a lot of crazy things. We could have been born into any situation. It is a miracle that we're here today. An absolute miracle, and what an honor it is. And so we, should we make excuses? I don't know. At, what is the definition of it at its base? Attempt to lessen the blame, attaching to fault or offense, seek to defend or justify when we know in ourselves we should be doing something that we're not. We try to cast blame for a shortcoming to something or someone else. We try to distract from our own guilt of not following through with what God has called to us. We try to defer ownership based on our weakness or a mistake. Let somebody else that's more qualified do it. Jesus knows who you are and where you live, your personalities. He doesn't want you to justify why you can't do what he's called you to do. Matter of fact, he's promised us that he would give us all the strength to do what he's called us to do. So what's the biblical position on excuses? James just makes it very clear. He that knoweth to do it and do right and doeth it not. You just can't, you just can't make one up for that. There's not an excuse big enough. There's not a justification right enough to put us in a different category other than this. It's very clear. Jesus, when he talked about excuses, we can find where he is on the matter by reading in Luke 14. It says, Then said he unto them, A certain man made a great supper and bade many and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it. I pray that you would have me excused. He had a business, a career reason for not attending the dinner. Many times, too often, we ask and we pray that God will give us a good job to be able to provide for our families. And after all, if I have a better job, I can support the church more. But when it comes to being there on Wednesday night or on Sunday, I'm sorry, but I won't be able to be there. This, God, this job that God gave me, I'm, I'm going to have to be at the job. We need to be careful when we offer our excuses of what we're really saying to the Lord. 
I'm not saying there are some times where we, the circumstance is, is beyond our control. There are some occasions where we just cannot be in the house of God or doing the things of God that we're called to do. But most of the time I fear, like these men and women, it's not the case. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. There's many distractions. There's many places we could be today. But we're not. We're here. And I'm so glad we're here because we're preaching to the choir today. We're in the house. Aren't you glad you're in the house of the Lord today? (laughs) For many more reasons than one, I suppose. But the point is just to emphasize there are so many distractions. Bonnie sent me a, a link uh, this week that was very alarming, and many of you may have seen it. It's the, um, the fact that in America, church attendance and involvement in Christianity is lower percentage-wise than it ever has been in the history of our country. That's scary. That's scary. And you know where I really kind of place this? We can say, well, there's just so much evil that's happening in the world. Yes, there is. There, there are so many trips and snares out in the world. Yes, there is. There's a lot of entertainment to draw everybody. To. Yes, there is. But I fear the core of the reason is because we in the church have fallen on our responsibility to not be the light and the salt that we're called to be. Because had we shown an exuberance, a joy, a victory, an overcoming situation, have we shared the gospel with so many that are around us and just tell them about the goodness of Jesus, maybe they would not have gone by the wayside. Maybe they would have come to be with us. Our first and foremost calling is to be a witness. Because everybody that is filled with the Spirit is empowered by the Spirit, by the Holy Ghost, to what? To be witnesses. That is number one calling. And if we're not doing the most basic of our calling, then we're missing it completely. So when's the last time that we brought somebody to church with us? That's my responsibility. When's the last time we've had, we had a Bible study? Invested some of our time mentoring someone else. So it really makes us think. We may not say these words in offering our excuse, but our actions offer the excuse. We're not sold out, perhaps. The last one, he says, and another said, I... I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Doesn't that just seem so obvious? It really is. It's so obvious. I I know that this servant who went out to offer the invitation to come must have just been like, I got to say it. Why don't you just bring her? (laughs) That one. Family's coming in this weekend and I won't be able to be at church, Pastor Dave. Why don't you just bring them? They would love it. Come on. Let's clap our hands under the Lord. 
Got to lighten it up here a little bit because I know this is heavy stuff. But this is what we do. We offer these excuses. So here's the response that Jesus had, or he's saying the master had, which is showing his own heart. It says, so the servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. I mean, he's just like saying, go get them all. And the servant said to the Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded. And yet there is still room. And the Lord said unto his servant, go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. That my house, my house, my house may be full. That High Point Church on Lithia Pinecrest may be full. Now here's the vision of it. We have a, a video camera on the other side in the multi-purpose room that guess what it's playing right now is this service. You're on camera right now in that room waiting for seats to be filled. So the vision of this house is to see my house full. But we'll never get there as long as we're offering excuses. This is where it all hits the road, right? That means me. Somebody point to your own, your own heart and say, that means me. So he became angry. I think that's the takeaway from this. He says, for I say unto you, listen to this, that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. I have such a responsibility to do what God has called me to do that if I give enough excuses for long enough and I wear out the Most High, He's not going to let others suffer because of my unwillingness to go. He will take my call, my invitation, and give it to someone else. That's the fear that I have in my heart. I don't want God to take my talent, my skills, my ability, and use them through someone else in the church. Use somebody in the church to do that. I want to do my part. This is a very fearful place. This is a warning the Scripture is giving to every one of us that God has placed you in such a beautiful opportunity to flourish and to blossom in the presence in the, th in the throne room and to do something great at High Point Church. Why High Point Church? I don't know. God's just put us here together for such a time as this. I can't answer to you why. I, his thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. His ways above our ways. What I do know is that we are here together today to do what God has called us to do. And the challenge is, will you go out and will you bring them in? Will you come into the house of the Lord? That's the call. I don't want anybody to take my place. So the parable of the supper is very clear. It's the final meal of the day. It's life-giving nutrition. It's des a designated time for the family to gather together. It's a safe place for all to enjoy. And the invitation is wide open for all to come. It's the same way spiritually today that's been prepared. The meal's prepared. The word of life, the soul-saving information is delivered over this pulpit. And it provides vital nutrition for us to hear. The designated time for family worship, we know what the service times are, and we're here. So we, we know Sunday is a great day for us to gather because we worship the Lord in such a, a vibrant way. 
Wednesday night, the format is a little different. Why? Not that we don't worship the Lord. We do, but we worship Him through study. And it's every bit as important as, as Sunday is in worshiping the Lord with our praise and, and our audible voices. When we sit down to study to show ourselves approved, that pleases the Lord so much. And so the, the sacrifice that we can make to be here on Wednesday night is so fulfilling because we are in the presence of God, pleasing God by opening His Word, desiring to know more of what He has prepared for us. So it's a challenge for us to think about being in the house of the Lord as much as we possibly can and to bring someone with us. See the parable, the excuses begin. I bought a piece of ground. I've bought five yoke of oxen. I've married, etc., etc. And we do the same thing in our own life. We use our career, our business, personal interest, baseball games and such. Family time. And I'm not saying family time's not important. It absolutely is. But does family time have to be right over top of service time? I'm not saying that we do this. I'm saying it's just something collectively in our culture to think about as we prioritize our living for the Lord. Because the result is we can choke out the Word if we're not doing these things that we ought to do. And that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. This is why we come to the house of the Lord, and it's an awesome thing that we can. The observation is the master's response. He was angry. He revoked their invitation. He gave their, peace to, uh, their place to someone else. There are many who would love to have what we have that are just waiting to hear about what we have. If we would awaken every morning and say, God, who do you want me to talk to today? that needs to hear from you because I may be the only voice that they'll hear. I may be the only Jesus that they'll see. So who do you want to take me to today? If we would begin kind of changing our priority tree on a daily basis, I think God could turn this city upside down with what we have right here. It could just explode with the power and presence of God in such a mighty way. And it starts with us. So it's the correct priorities. Well, how can I show the Lord that I really am putting him first and I'm not offering excuses? So glad you asked. Because we have Bible study, we have prayer time. Get involved, see pastor, see myself. Places that you can actually connect and be engaged. We're starting the youth services. That's going to be an exciting time. And we're going to get our, youth pe our young people fired up for the Lord. And then they go into the high schools, into their schools, and get other kids and bring them in. And it's going to be on their level. It's not going to be on our, we're not going to be singing Amazing Grace all the time here on Wednesday night. It's going to be a little more radical probably than what we're comfortable with. But we need to connect. By any means, compel them to come in. Church attendance, financial support and tithes and offerings. Be a witness, be salt and light. These are the things that we can do, but our competing priorities, again, the career, the job, the education, the dog, the cat, the goldfish. I'm just not going to be able to make it tonight, Brother Rick. I've got to feed my goldfish. I've got to change the tank. Water's dirty. I mean, that, that, that's what we do. I don't need to harp on it anymore. You get it. The point is we get lazy. We get comfortable. Here's something Jesus said about the harvest field. 
when the disciples were wondering, how on earth can we evangelize the world? How can we get this done? There's only 70, 80 of us here today. How can we evangelize all of Brandon? You know what the, the master said? He said, my house is full. My house is full. And my fields, my harvesters, my ones who would bring the harvest in is empty. The point there is we'll not reach anyone as long as we're in here. We have to take this out there. But we don't because we get lazy. It's just not priority for us. God is speaking to this church and wanting to change our culture a little bit because I can tell you, and and I would say it's not changing. I would say it's making high point high point again because we've traded some ideas and some thoughts of what God is doing over the last couple of weeks. And it just, as an outsider coming in, seeing what this church does, seeing the passion of Pastor David and Elder uh, Bishop Goldsberry reaching out has always been the theme of this church. When we came in, we felt that immediately and we never saw it written anywhere. But you feel that. This is how we reach the harvest, is reaching out. Can't be too tired, busy, or too weak. There's just no excuses. And in closing, I love the story of the dog sled team because it speaks so well in understanding how a team of us, a group of us together, can accomplish so much. Or if you have one guy that's just kind of laying around, the rest of them all go up to him and start yanking on the, the collar a little bit. And once he's plugged in or hooked into the line and you have a younger dog, a younger pup that's learning the, the tools of the trade, so to speak, learning kind of the pathway and what this means to really dig in and progress forward, he gets distracted. He starts kind of falling off the way. And I don't know if you've watched anything or looked at mushers as they go through over across the Continental Divide and they start going through these fresh white powder mountainsides. Have you seen that image? Not quite what I'm showing on the screen here right now because that's a little bit more of a flat surface. But they'll go in across the tundra, across these places that are epic. And it just seems to be this pure white cover of snow. Beautiful, beautiful setting. But the thing that you don't know by looking at at, at the scenario is these dogs that have done this for so long and are experienced, they know exactly where the solid ground underneath the fresh powder resides. They've been over this trail many, many times. Even though visibly on top everything looks the same, they know exactly where the dangers are. You get the young dogs that are added in. And the way it works on the lineup of the, of the team is you have your agile dogs that listen to the voice of the musher 
on the front. Those are your lead dogs. Really quick to respond. They'll hear what their, their master says. They'll go right. They'll go left. They'll stop. They'll go strong. They're leading the pack. And then you have right in front of the, of the sled the real mature, just massive muscles bulging, just ready to plow in and get her done. The strong dogs. And then in the middle somewhere are your younger dogs that like to play, like to yelp, like to have fun, frolicking in the snow. Maybe getting tired, getting weak, getting lazy. And, the, and these dogs, they'll give a little more play in their line because they know they're just going to constantly be pulling against what, where they should be going. And so as, it, as the, the, the trail goes, these dogs will kind of start getting distracted and they'll start playing with each other. And one of them will just fall off of the trail, the solid part underneath, and disappear. They go right down into the deep powder, just instantly gone. The slack pulls up in the line. <laughs> just, it yanks them right back out, right out of there, right back in line, and they get, a, a, they get schooled really quick because that pack is going down the road. So many times as the family of God, this is how we are. I'll, I'll start drifting. I'll start kind of getting a little lazy. Pastor comes and says, hey, what's going on, Brother Greg? You all right? And he'll pull us in. The experience. There'll be some brothers or sisters that'll pat us on the back. Say, hey, I've been missing you. Haven't seen you for a while. Really would would love to see you get a part of this, be a part of this program, be a part of this ministry that we're doing. It's an amazing thing. But I think the call goes out today. Will you recommit yourself to the Lord? To give Him all that you've got. See, He gave all for us. Nothing left in the tank. Just completely gave everything for us. And what he asked in response is that I would give him all. I'm not giving him some kind of offering of something great. I don't have that. But Lord, I can give you me. I don't know what you can do, but I give you me. And I give you me without excuse. I just want to be pleasing to you. I want you to say, well done. Well done, Greg. You had your speed bumps along the way. You had your fights and struggles along the way, but well done. How many wants to hear the Father say those words? I don't want to stand on judgment day and give reason, give excuse, try to justify. I want to say, God, I didn't do it all perfect, but I gave you everything I had. I gave you me. That's all he wants. And he's asking for that today. Just... Come as you are. Come as you are. 
And the amazing thing is, wow, the song says, little is much when God is in it. <laughs> How many knows what it's like for God to take your little bit and make something so great out of it? Only an experienced, I'm not calling us dogs, but I'm saying in this context of this illustration, only the experienced dogs that have been around for a while can testify that God always provides. God always leads. God always delivers. He always heals. He always solves the problem. He's the master physician. He is the great I am. Whatever you need in God today, that's what he wants to be in your life. But it starts with you saying, God, I give you all of me. I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to commit. I'm going to invest. I'm going to do whatever you call me to do. That's what I am today. That's my heart. Let's stand this morning. Let's close our eyes. Jesus, you have a work that you want to do in this church, in every one of our lives. And God, our prayer today is that we will lay, that we will lay aside every weight, every distraction, every sin that would beset us, that would lead us away from doing what you've asked us to do. Lord, we pray today as an answer to your call, to you leading us here, not here by coincidence, but here because you brought us here, that we would do the work that you called us to do. that you've promised us we'll step out in faith and we're just going to believe that today I will go send me Lord I will do your work I will answer your call if that's how you feel today I'm going to open these altars for every one of us that want to renew our commitment to the Lord to do His work. I'm opening these altars to you. We have the front. We have the chairs. Just gather in the front. If we can do that today and say, God, <laughs> I don't know how you're going to do it, but you are God, and I'm going to give you all today. Can you come? While we sing, yes, Jesus. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, yes. That's right. These altars are open for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Oh, yes. Oh, Jesus, Lord, we give you all today. God, I commit my life to you, Lord. I commit myself to you, Jesus.